Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. The McKinney Fire, which has now burned more than 60,000 acres in Siskiyou County at the northern edge of the state, is 55 percent contained. The fire ignited under a power line that had an outage the night before, but it was brief and power was back on for customers a few hours before the fire started. Investigators don't know if the outage on lines operated by Pacific Power had anything to do with the fire. NBC Bay Area reporter Jackson Vanderbecken says unlike some other fires sparked in remote areas, a fire crew was able to respond quickly. This started on the property of a volunteer firefighter who was able to drive his engine just a few hundred feet from where he lived in his cabin. They were able to get there quickly uh, enough to try to control it, but the weather, the wind shifted, and uh, basically they had to withdraw because the fire was blowing back, back on them. The firefighter and his family escaped, but their home was destroyed. At least 130 other structures have been burned, and four people have died as a result of the fire, including a U.S. Forest Service lookout. Kathy Shootman died at her home in the community of Klamath River. She worked for the U.S. Forest Service for more than 40 years. And in other news, California's Employment Development Department was too slow delivering unemployment insurance payments to roughly 5 million workers during the pandemic. That's from a new report by the Legislative Analyst's Office. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. Employers pay for the state's unemployment insurance program through payroll taxes. Chas Alamo with the Legislative Analyst's Office says that's a big reason why the EDD listens to employers. Employees, not so much. EDD, in many respects, administratively, sees businesses as their primary customer. The same goes, he says, for the federal government, which pays for the cost of running the program. And the feds emphasize preventing fraud, but the agency adopted policies that slowed down service for many valid claims. In a statement, an EDD spokesperson wrote the agency will review the report's suggestions to speed up service delivery. For the California Report, I'm Farida Jabala Romero. A state Senate committee focused on California's response to monkeypox will hold its first hearing this afternoon in Sacramento. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer reports. 
This committee is chaired by State Senator Scott Weiner, who's been a vocal critic of the federal government's failure to act quickly when the monkeypox outbreak first occurred. Health officials and an infectious disease specialist from UCSF will report on state efforts to ramp up testing, education, and vaccine delivery. County health officials from Los Angeles and San Francisco, the two counties most affected by the virus, will also speak on local efforts. California currently has more than 1,300 monkeypox cases, 90 percent of them in gay and bisexual men. Last week, the state and federal governments declared states of emergency to expedite the delivery of vaccines and testing. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Hate crimes are up for the fourth straight year in a row across the U.S. That's according to new data from Cal State San Bernardino. KQED's Alex Hall has more. The study looked at crime data from the past two and a half years and found that across 18 states in Washington, D.C., hate crimes shot up more than 20 percent in 2021 compared to the year before. Among the top 10 most populated cities in the country, the increase was nearly 40 percent. Professor Brian Levin is director of CSU San Bernardino's Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism. There is an active ecosystem which will exploit any opportunity to promote derisive stereotypes about African-Americans, Jews, Latinos, uh, Sikhs, transgender people. Here in California, Levin says hate crimes jumped more than 32 percent last year, the highest on record in over a decade. For The California Report, I'm Alex Hall. A criminal grand jury has opened an investigation into the L.A. County Sheriff's Department's handling of an altercation last year involving an inmate and deputy. Surveillance video of the incident shows a deputy kneeling on the head of the handcuffed inmate for three minutes, despite no signs the inmate was resisting. The altercation led to allegations that the Sheriff's Department had attempted to cover up the incident. Sheriff Alex Villanueva has vehemently denied those claims, saying he hadn't seen the video till months after the incident occurred. But two Sheriff's Department employees claim he actually watched it days after it happened and waited months to open a criminal investigation. In other news, gun rights groups are suing the state of California over a bill signed into law in June that bans the marketing of guns to minors. KQED's Ezra David Romero reports. Firearm advocates like California Rifle and Pistol Association President Chuck Michelle say the law is a direct assault on the Second Amendment. In a statement, Michelle said state politicians want to wipe out gun culture by keeping youth out of shooting sports. Governor Gavin Newsom defended the law in a July video with an assault rifle in hand. This is a weapon of war, a weapon of mass destruction, but you're out there promoting and allowing marketing of these weapons of war to our kids. The groups that filed suit Friday also say the law impedes youth hunting and education programs. Violators can be fined up to $25,000. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. 
This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. State officials are urging public sector workers to apply for a program that forgives federal student loan debt after 10 years of public service work. State Attorney General Rob Bonta says 1 million Californians are eligible, but only 10,000 have received the public service loan forgiveness waiver. We must ensure every public sector employee, from teachers to firefighters, nonprofit administrators to state employees, knows about the public service loan forgiveness waiver period. Bonta and a coalition of state officials and nonprofits are asking employers to help sign up as many qualifying employees as possible over the next few months. The federal program has temporarily expanded eligibility through October. California's fast food and franchising industry could change drastically under a bill moving through the state legislature. Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon reports. The bill would give fast food workers the power to collectively bargain through a state-run council. For workers like Crystal Orozco, the bill's passage would bring peace of mind that someone is fighting for their interests. She says at her last job, at a Sacramento-area jack-in-the-box, she was denied breaks. She and her co-workers only got access to face masks after a COVID-19 outbreak, and her managers told another sick employee to come to work. They want people to be blind to these laws and everything, and just to make that quick buck, you know, and they can get their bonuses. And we're the one here, like, breaking our backs for them. Restaurant owners and business groups oppose the legislation. They say it would add another layer of costs and regulation to an industry where profit margins are often razor thin. Lena Mann owns and operates two Subways and a Del Taco with her husband and brother-in-law in Sacramento. We're not Del Taco. We own that flag to operate that business, but it is us behind it, the small business owners that operate these businesses. She worries if the bill becomes law, it would make doing business even more difficult. The measure faces a key vote Thursday in the Senate Appropriations Committee. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. Thousands of Sutter Health employees say their employer has shortchanged them on wages for more than a month. Unions representing the workers say the payroll errors were immediately reported to Sutter, but the company has not paid back their lost wages, and the errors are continuing on their paychecks. In a statement to the Sacramento Bee, Sutter says it's implemented a new system for human resources and payroll, and that's resulted in the errors. The company says it's working to resolve the issue. The unions are calling on Sutter to go back to the old payroll system until they can work out the problems. Workers also want to be reimbursed for any financial hardship that they've endured. 
And finally, more than 22,000 Ukrainians have crossed the border from Mexico into California since the Russian invasion in February. Many have come to the Sacramento area, which already has a large and tight-knit Slavic community. Cap Radio's Pauline Bartoloni has more about how these war evacuees are getting by. When Russians invaded Ukraine, Mykola Chernov, his wife and eight-year-old son, began a long journey. From their home in Nikolaev, southern Ukraine, at 4.30 in the morning on February 24th, they heard explosions set off by Russian forces. Chernov explains through an interpreter. There were actually bombs, and they heard it from their room, and they bombed like a military station there near their city. For a year, Chernov and his family knew a Russian invasion may be coming, but nothing prepared them for the escape. He said he had two hours to get everything, and they left. That was the start of a six-week journey across Europe, through Mexico, and finally to the Sacramento area. His wife's cousin took them in and set them up with an apartment in Roseville. While the war is going on, there's just no point of going back because every day their city's getting bombed. There could be as many as 10,000 Ukrainians who have sought refuge in the Sacramento area in just the past few months, says Vlad Scotts of the Ukrainian American House in Rancho Cordova. Although an actual number is not known, what is certain is they rely on the generosity and strong networks of the Ukrainians that arrived just a few decades before them. People trying to temporarily survive. They don't know how to be. They don't have place to return. Ukrainian refugees who came through Tijuana were given humanitarian parole for one year. And many are women and children because men are required to stay and fight, says Scotts. Many of those Ukrainian refugees, mostly it's younger generation. Many of them speak English, have qualified education to fit in American businesses. The new Ukrainians are eligible for public assistance and food benefits, but many of them would like to work, says Dimitro Kushneruk, the consul general of Ukraine in San Francisco. They can apply to work legally, but it can take up to six months. People are ready to work like the first days after they come. And we know that a lot of businesses are understaffed in California and in Sacramento area too. So that would really help if people could work. But the system as it is, is not allowing to get for them this authorization quickly. Slavic churches are playing a big part in welcoming the refugees. Speakers take the mic at the Saturday evening event at the Spring of Life Baptist Church in Orangevale. Hundreds of Ukrainians come to their weekly events. Church staff help people make DMV appointments, find housing, and sign up for government benefits. Mikola Chernov came here one recent Saturday to get help with work papers. He had an iPhone repair business in southern Ukraine. Here, his family receives $400 a month in public benefits. Once we get a job, stable job, then we could get rid of it because we're not going to need it. We're able to work and provide for ourselves. Many others are in limbo in the Sacramento area this summer, wondering if they will settle in the U.S. permanently when their humanitarian parole is up. For the California Report, I'm Pauline Bartoloni in Sacramento. 
And that's the California Report for Tuesday, August 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now's the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Paint Care. Now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.